0: So what I invite you to know with me in this moment as we come together today is that there is a a life force, an energy, a vibration, a presence always available that we are immersed in, that we do not see but we sense and feel at times guiding and directing and supporting us and whatever it is that we impress upon this infinite intelligence we are supported with a yes. And so our opportunity in Each moment is to observe and be aware of what seeds am I planting in each moment. Am I planting a seed that is rich and powerful and wonderful, that fulfills what my heart and my soul and my being is called to experience and to produce and to share with the world. What is the ideal? What is the biggest idea possible around that? And the seed am I implanting in this moment, does it support that or is it in contradiction? Does it negate that? Am I hanging on to something? Am I expressing resentment or anger or frustration? Whatever it may be. It's not wrong, it's just not a very big idea. And so what I know is we come together today to be guided, directed. Let us know and affirm, I affirm for myself in this moment, that anything unlike what my soul is called to express for the fulfillment of my life upon this planet in the smallest and largest ways possible in my own subjective nature anything in contradiction to that I direct this infinite intelligence within me to dissolve and eradicate anything unlike the finest expression of life if there's something that I need to look at to understand at a deeper level so that I may move forward more productively I stand ready willing and able to do that as well And so I know that everything necessary for you and I to move from where we are from good to great or whatever you may be in this moment you are not stuck you are not stagnant life is a continuum and we move outward and upward and so i know for myself as well as for you that this has come to visit our experience in whatever way shape and form it shows up to allow us to grow to expand to express life it's the nature of it it's how it works and so i just give thanks for the wisdom for the shoulders of the giants that I stand upon that have blessed my life in so many powerful beautiful ways I give thanks knowing this day is complete in every good way that the synchronicities of life line up with the highest and most beautiful ideals and possibilities for each and every one of us physically spiritually and emotionally and for this I give thanks I release these words in gratitude and appreciation for all they represent to stand in the knowing and also to stand in the mystery of life and know it is all for us it is all for me. Something wonderful is happening here and now, and for this I give thanks, and so it is. The last, uh, last week we introduced one of our our, uh, we're a community of of people in service. You'll see many people here that do service work. We have people downstairs working with our children. In fact, uh, in the announcement, Reverend Catherine mentioned that we can use help with uh, our uh, Cosmic Kids. We have a tween program. We have a nursery program. And I'm sure as you sat there, like me, and, and said, because this is how I used to sit in church as well, and say that ain't, they're not talking to me. But in fact, we are talking to you. So if you thought I'm not talking to you, I am talking to you. So there's the identifier today. And so I want to invite you to, to look at the possibility of helping us out with that amazing program. We have people that sort of go down there and take it on, and then after a while they go, wow, we could use some help. Could you help us? Could you talk about this? So I'm talking about it. So perhaps I planted a seed with you, but even one Sunday a month or one Sunday every two months or one Sunday every three months, there's a lot of us. And to go down for one service and help support those beautiful people is, is quite a remarkable thing. So I thank you for that. The other thing I want to do today is we've been, last week we uh, introduced one of our... Um, Members of our leadership, and briefly, I want to bring another member up because we're, we're, we are cultivating a um uh, a new culture and a new idea of because it's the nature of the in, infinite around the, the plans we have for our community the plans we have for what we want to see happen in the world and so we're i want to w- once again bring one of our our heroes up one of our local heroes up to talk to you a little bit about their role in leadership and and who they are so you know them and so if you have a question or you're curious to know who this amazing person is that is in service to this community Um, you know who they are. So I'm going to invite Kathy Anders to come up for a few moments and I'm going to ask her a couple of questions. And here she is. And she likes to... Here, come and step here, not on that. That's wobbly. She likes to take the 18 inch step at a time, so that's one of the things you know about. (laughs) Kathy, so good morning and welcome.
1: Good morning, thank you, thank you.
0: Um, So tell us a little bit about um, how long you've been a member of the center, been involved with the community.
1: I have been a member of the center for just about three years, almost to the month. 2011 was a pivotal, boy I have trouble with that word, Pivotal year for me, and uh, I discovered the center at uh, the right and perfect time. It was—it's been a gift and a blessing.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you're a member of our, our board of trustees, our I leadership am. council. Yes, I am. And uh, so, talk a little bit about the gifts and talents that you bring to that uh, that role.
1: Sure. Okay, I am um, have been involved in the insurance and risk management community in Edmonton for. I hate to say this, but about 35 years. So I bring um, that, um, those gifts and uh, those connections to the center and to the board. And in addition to that, about two years ago, I started a uh, a brand new insurance brokerage um, just beside the second cup over here. So in addition to bringing the insurance um, and background to it, I am now budding entrepreneur and small business owner so that in itself i understand the challenges of uh, small business
0: mm-hmm. so um and what have been some of the challenge for, challenges for you in terms of leadership and being part of the community and and then some of the um the, the joys of it as well.
1: Okay, fair enough. The, um, one of the challenges that I was quite concerned about was when I considered putting my name forward to the board was the time commitment. I'm certain that everybody sitting here has a, an incredibly busy life and the time commitment was a big concern. But I felt um, compelled to give back what time and talent I had to this amazing community and um, so and this board, out of all the boards that I sit on, is, is uh, the one that is most respectful and honors the the time that I have, that I am willing and that I can lovingly give to the board. Um, so that was one of the concerns and challenges, and it didn't turn out to be a challenge at all. The As far as the, the joys, um, it is so awesome to be part of the leadership of this amazing community. We have, um, uh, we are a spiritual movement that is changing lives, and it is um, so great to be to be part of that and to support Patrick and Laura and the ministry team in any way possible is truly an amazing gift. Mm,
0: thank you. And so what would you say is the one of the most uh, unique things that you um, do in the world that we might not know about? Yeah. Okay, like n- you're a trapeze artist, or well, not, NASCAR not that race, I'm going to tell like out loud here. Okay.
1: So um, they, one of the things I do, I think there's a few people in the community that are aware I am a big, um, Special Olympics supporter and fan. I have my daughter and I have coached both indoor and outdoor Special Olympics soccer for about the last six years. So they are those um, athletes. They all have intellectual disabilities, and it is a they provide so much in my life. They speak to my heart and soul. So that community is a big. I'm a big fan and supporter of it. I also have co-chaired, um, I think three or four fundraising events. Significant fundraising events for Special Olympics in the last couple of years. So, it's a community that I'm really, really passionate about, and I really enjoy giving because I, those I call them my peeps. My peeps give, you know, way uh, more than I have the opportunity to give.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. So, thank you so much for your service to our community and sharing yourself. So, I think it's just important for us to you know acknowledge and and and. Uh, appreciate the, the members of leadership that allow us to do the things we do. We are a, a non-profit society here, and, and so um, uh, we have a, a board matrix that we are very uh, committed to f- fulfilling, and Kathy fills one of those roles beautifully for us. So I just wanted to, so you know her better, and she'll be at that back, actually. She does a better job in the reception line than I do, I found out that at the first service, so this is really good. I said, you can do this every week, and I'll go back and have a cup of coffee, so we're in negotiations right now around that. So we are talking about, as Reverend Catherine uh, McLeod said, and she may have already ducked out, but I, she did such a lovely job of presiding this morning, and she brings such grace and presence to it. Our, our theme this month is, is um, patience. And patience in the West, we don't, you know, we don't talk about patience much because everybody wants stuff now. And there's one of my heroes right there, Inyat Khan. Inyat Khan was the guy that uh, brought the Sufi tradition to the West. Uh, Sufi tradition is the um, the uh, the passionate lovers of God in the Islamic tradition, and when we think of Islam, you know, most of the time it's about the fundamental, you know, the jihad going on and all the discord and things. But actually, that Islamic tradition that Rumi helped bring to the West. Rumi is the most widely read author uh, in the world now because of his poetry. He wrote thousands upon thousands of of poetry that have inspired people. You'll see it on greeting cards. You'll see it quoted all the time. And they're still translating Rumi's stuff. There's still like 30,000 verses that Rumi wrote that we still don't have access to. So he comes out of that tradition, the lovers of God. So they saw God everywhere. They believed in the oneness. And and, uh, Inyat Khan, and his legacy was then Hazrat Inyat Khan, which was his son and a musician, and on and on. And he was a musician as well because much of his ministry was around music. And as he said, and you'll see behind me there, um, if there is anything that gives kingliness to the soul, it is patience. What was the secret of the masters who have accomplished great things and who have inspired many and who have helped many souls? The secret was patience. And so patience, I mean, really our whole tradition is around patience because we show up with a sum total of beliefs or, or we've been domesticated in a certain way and we either fulfill that and we live that out and then our lives look a lot like the people that went before us or we break those patterns because we realize there may be something more interesting or something more, uh, different that we're called to do. And that takes time. That takes commitment and it takes energy. It takes patience. And so today is about the gift of patience. And over the next uh, few weeks this month, we'll talk about the gift of patience. We'll talk about the attitudes of patience next week. And then we'll finish up the month with the, uh, uh, the, the tools to use, the strategies. But patience is um, uh, fascinating. We see it everywhere. We see it in all the great achievements. So I'm going to invite uh, um, Darlene to pull up the next slide. And this is the quiz. So the quiz is, and it doesn't. We, and we have, we've been very patient. I want to thank you for your patience. We have a new projector coming, and in a few more weeks it'll be up because this one is, has served us really well. We love it. We love you. We love you. We love you. And keep working until the new one comes in. So the quiz is, otherwise I'd be doing a lot more stuff with my hands up here. The quiz is, how many times uh, was Walt Disney turned down before he got financing to develop Disneyland? Seven. Seven times. Okay. Do I have another number right here? 32. 32? 40. Okay, 40. All right. Well, here, I'm just going to give you the answer. So if you have to click it a couple of times, he was turned down 302 times. Yeah. So Walt had an idea, and and it took him 302 times to get somebody to say, here's the money. How many of us have the patience and persistence to stay with an idea and stay with a dream before we pull it off? Here's another question for you. So George Lucas, next slide. Star Wars, anybody ever seen Star Wars except me? Star Wars. How many investors did George Lucas have backing him in the making of Star Wars? One. I hear one. Anybody else? Two. All right. We're working our way up. So I'm just going to guess three. So then we'll have one, two, and three. So let's pull it up. He had none. Nobody backed George Lucas and Star Wars. Can you believe that? Because who was, you know, this big hairy guy and all that stuff? Come on. Come on. So the great thing about this is, because he didn't share the royalties with anyone, he got all the money. Which then he went on, you know, all of the special effects that we have in movies now. That all started with his company because he had enough money to say, guys, here, we want to we go beyond this with a new idea. And so that is just part of our lives now in terms of uh, high definition and all the things that that opened up for. I uh, can't remember the name of the company. It was Light something. But, uh, um, but anyway, so examples of people having ideas and pursuing it despite what the conditions would say. And I mean, but this is the story of life, isn't it? for all of us. And so we're talking about spiritual practice here. We come in, people do prayer work with people, and it's like, oh, nothing's happening, man. I went to to church on Sunday. I've been out of work for for six years. I've got no money in my bank account. All my relationships are horrible, and I'm dying. And I went there, and they did a prayer, and nothing's changed in the last two and a half hours. Something wrong with that church. (laughs) Okay. Some pretty high expectations. All right, so... Patience, next, there we go. The gifts of patience I want to talk about today. So one of the first gifts of patience that's going to go up there is it's a synonym for patience is self-possession. Self-possession. We are in charge of ourselves. We may not feel like that at times, but we are in charge of ourselves. We determine moment by moment, thought by thought, the quality of our lives. And we know this to be true. And yet we slip into patterns, we slip into ideas and beliefs about ourselves that do not line up, as I said in the prayer as we opened it, don't line up with the highest idea possible for ourselves. Part of that reason is, for many, I pulled this up off the internet this morning, there's a doctor by the name of Jeffrey Young that identified, I think there's 19, it's called schemas. And it's used in cognitive therapy. And schemas... Our patterns that we adopt as kids, The way that we expose and things we... We enter survival mechanisms, and we all have them to, to varying degrees. So I'm going to read them really quickly, because you may find yourself coming and going on one of these. And there's descriptions, but I'm not going to do descriptions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to flesh these out, and I'm going to put together uh, some material based on this for a presentation. But for the sake of argument, the schemas can look like this. Uh, emotional deprivation. Abandonment. Mistrust slash abuse. Defectiveness. I believe that we're, we're damaged or flawed. Social isolation. Vulnerability, which means that the world's a dangerous place and that I could be in, in, in harm's way at any moment. Dependency slash incompetence. Can't make it on our own because I, I can't do it. I'm, I don't have the skills and gifts. Enmeshment or undeveloped self. Which Enmeshment means that we don't know where we start and the other person begins. I see it a lot in relationships. Taking care of someone, not, not being able to carry what is ours to carry and, and putting the rest down. Failure. Subjugation, which means that someone else, we have to submit to someone else. They have power over us. Self-sacrifice, we have to give to everyone. Uh, approval seeking slash recognition seeking. Emotional inhibition, negativity slash pessimism. I'm no good, it's never going to get any good. Unrelenting standards, punitiveness. People should be punished and we're the ones that know who should be punished. Anybody here ever do that? Like the person that cuts us off in traffic or whatever it may be and we know that we're going to find out where they live and we're going to go buy in and break an egg on their lawn. Entitlement, grandiosity, insufficient self-control, self-discipline. So those are 19 of them. Does anybody here, is it, did you know anybody? Because I know nobody here has any of those going on, but I'm just saying, if you know anybody, all I'm saying is there's a lot of that stuff that goes on in the world. Read the newspaper. You know, it's just like, what is going on? Why are people like this? And so one of, the, one of the, the great advantages we have of being bright and healthy and intelligent and in choosing is that when we see, see these things start to fire in our lives so we start to act these things out, part of spiritual practice is catching ourselves and having enough patience and the wherewithal to look at it and go, wow, is this really how I want to live my life? Is this, it, it, following this train of thought, you know, waking up is, is, is noticing these things, awareness. We did meditation last month. And so it's so powerful and so it's so amazing when all of a sudden we start bringing awareness to these things that trigger us. As Mary Baker Eddy said, An error revealed is two-thirds healed. So when we know it, we can do something about it. So patience is synonymous with self-possession. We are in charge of ourselves. We can choose how to respond to a given event rather than being hijacked by our emotions. But if our schemas are running us, we're hijacked. It enhances the power of acceptance as well. Right there at the bottom. So when we have the acceptance, we accept ourselves for where we are and we can accept others. We can cut people some slack. You know... When people are acting strange on the road, the first thing I say is, you know, I don't even like the way they drive. I don't want to meet them in person, so just let them go. <laughs> See ya. Uh, somebody cuts me off, I just slow down. It's like, no, no, I get this. We're never going to be friends, and it's okay, because some you want to love is from, uh, love them at the point of the highest and the furthest. Okay? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We don't have to be in relationship with everybody. There's many people that I meet in the world, and I pray for their highest, their furthest. <laughs> it's great spiritual practice, I'm telling you. Unless there's something I need to know and they'll keep coming back and then it's like, okay. On the next slide, this is one of my, one of my heroes, a guy by the name of Eric Hoffer. Eric Hoffer I saw in 60 Minutes when I was in high school and he, I was just so impressed with him. He was amazing. He died in 1983 He was 80 years old. Eric Hoffer, at the age of two, he was born to German immigrants in New York City. His mother, when he was two years old, was carrying him down the steps. She fell, and he lost his sight. He went blind. She never recovered from the fall. And when he was 15 years old, his sight came back. And he said, at that point in time, you know what? I may lose it at any moment. I'm going to read everything I can get my hands on. And he became a voracious student and read and read and read and read and read. And he never had formal education to any extent. He moved. He, was in the, he joined the Navy when he was old enough, so 15, to probably 17 when he joined the Navy would be my guess. He got out and he moved to California. And he started working as a migrant worker in the fields picking fruit. And he wrote in between those times when he wasn't physically working. Then he moved to San Francisco and he worked as a longshoreman on the Embarcadero. And I remember he was a very, an elderly man, I remember the interview on 60 Minutes, never forgot it, and he had been given a medal, of, uh, uh, a medal by the United States government for the amazing work he'd done and for the inspiring work that he'd written and published. And he continued to work as a longshoreman as long as he could, and he was living in a really run-down part of San Francisco, and I remember the interview and saying, aren't you worried about living in this sort of dangerous environment? And he says, they smell my courage. They smell my courage. They don't mess with me. But what he said is at the core of every true talent there is an awareness of the difficulties inherent in any achievement and the confidence that by persistence and patience something worthwhile will be realized. Thus talent is a species of vigor. In other words, that when we have a dream, when we have a goal, it requires our persistence and it also requires our patience. And just because it's not happening right now doesn't mean it's not happening. But in the culture we live, it's like we, like I said, we come in, you know, every, our life's been a mess for 40 years and all of a sudden we, we come in and we take a class for eight weeks and, and nothing's changed. It's not that things aren't shifting and changing. It's like bamboo. When bamboo, when you plant a, sh- a bamboo, and most of you know the story, you, the, the person that plants bamboo waters it for five years before it breaks ground. And then the first year and the fifth year of watering it, nothing for four years. Fifth year, it, it grows 15 meters in three months. But what bamboo needs to do is grow roots. It has to grow enough roots and grab, grab enough nutrients so it's sustainable. So it doesn't pop up until the fifth year. And so when we talk about spiritual practice, and you've spent a whole life in your schemas, you've, you've spent a whole life of discounting yourself or believing it's not possible or it's not for you or whatever the belief may be, it takes some time to, 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 to dissolve that and to... to, to um, Grab the nutrients and the awareness and the consciousness that we need to fulfill what the longing is. So I just think it's an amazing metaphor. And here's Eric Hoffer. I mean, just he lived such an amazing life. I was always I was in high school when I saw this guy. Oh my gosh, look at this guy! It's incredible. Such an inspiration. The the persistence and patience, something worthwhile will be realized. And that's faith. I mean, that's faith. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. If you have something that you're after, because the infinite presence, I don't believe in the God that most people believe in. I don't believe in an arbitrary and capricious God. I don't think God punishes anyone. God is a principle. It is male and female. It is the goddess energy. It is the God energy. So whatever we want to call it, it becomes that unto ourselves. But I don't believe in the God most people uh, talk about. Well, I read what an atheist will have to say many times. I say, God, I'm an atheist, because I don't believe in that God either. I mean, it's fascinating. So it's hard for me to disagree with some of those those ideas. So with this, this, this Eric, Eric Hoffer and his idea about persistence and following it, impatience is a habit, as is patience. There are seasons to our lives. The next uh, slide, Darlene. This, she's got it up there already. She's so quick. So each one of those... Um, Frames represents a season. There's a summer. The summer is the, se- the season of fruition. where Everything's in blossoming. You know, if you drive down... Somebody came by the other day, actually put one of those stickers in our front yard that said, uh, uh, nominated for Blooming Yard, of the uh, whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, whoa. Hey, thanks. I'm just sticking stuff in the ground, and it's growing. I got very little to do with it. I'm just digging the holes. And then I called my friends and said, did you steal one of those signs and put it in my front yard? Because really, this is all... It's, you know, trying stuff out. So the summer is the summer of fruition. Then we go into the fall of disenchantment, where things start to deteriorate, the leaves start falling. And then winter, the winter of discontent. And of course, the fall, or the, um, the spring. The spring is the new possibilities. So we have these cycles. And we are part of nature. You and I are a part of nature. But many people think they're not part of nature because what what they want is they want it to be summer all the time, right? Oh, I know few people like that. I know not you guys, but uh, some. But we, we have this false uh, this fantasy that that things are always going to be great and wonderful. And sometimes the job ends. Some things sometimes pe- things don't go the way we plan. Sometimes the the tide goes out and it takes a while for the tide to come back in. And so it's, it's is it. I think it's unreasonable for us to not realize that all of our lives have cycles like that. We go through the fruition, we go through the summer, we go through the, the, the fall, the discontentment, the winter, and then we go in back into the spring and new life comes. See, and the, and the reality is, is that winter lasts as long as winter lasts. We can identify with that here, can't we? I mean, as our complaining the other day, I said something about a summer Oh, I told Laura, I said, I can't wait till the football starts because I like watching football, you know. It's like I got to have a tribe and I root for my tribe. And she said, don't say that. That means that summer's starting to get over. And I said, I'm not speeding it up. (laughs) I wish I were that powerful. I'd slow it down. Anyway, so, but it is, it's part of life. There's cycles. You know, there's cycles in life. And we think we're not part of it and we are. We've all had things end and and new beginnings. The other other thing that, uh, the next slide that I wanted to point out is a picture of, of Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison in South Africa. He never gave up hope. And on this quote, he said, I never lost hope that this great transformation would, would occur. And the transformation was that there would be a, a peaceful handing off of power from the minority, uh, the white minority in South Africa to the, ba- to the black majority. But the fear was that there would always be civil war and there would be a lot of uh, pain and suffering that went along with this. He said, I always knew that deep down in every human heart, there's mercy and generosity. Man's goodness is a flame that cannot be hidden, can be hidden, but never extinguished. And so here's an example of patience. When he went to Robbins Island, his jailer said to him, you're going to die here. You're going to die here. And by the end of it, they were his closest friends because he didn't go into the battle with them, and he was patient, and he had a bigger vision. He saw beyond the rational. But just another example of possibility. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't collapse into depression and despair, but I'm sure he had those moments. I'm sure he asked himself at times, you know, why me? What am I doing here? Patience. On our next slide, here's another one of our heroes. There's Winnie the Pooh. Patience gives us greater tolerance and empathy. If the person you're talking to doesn't appear to be listening, be patient. It's it's simply it may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ear. Okay. I've noticed that as I get older, I get stuffs growing out of all of the, everywhere. Got to clip my ear hairs now. It's just ridiculous. I'm starting to look just like my dad, and I swore I'd never be him. The next slide, patience grows our souls. Patience grows our souls. And that's a picture of Helen Keller as a young girl. It's 120 years old, that picture. And Annie Sullivan is there, the woman that taught her how to read and how to speak and, and, you know, deaf and blind from birth. And, And spent the time with her, the patience with her, and worked with her to give her the gift of communication. And Helen Keller has been one of the great communicators of all time. In her book uh, *Patience*, we have this in the bookstore. If you're looking for it, we have a few copies back there, and that's what I'm basing our discussion on this month by M.J. Ryan. She wrote the book *Random Acts of Kindness*, and then she wrote this book uh, *Patience*. And, and she's just an amazing light upon the planet. And she writes in this chapter on uh, the, the patience grows our souls. She said, "I have two friends who say that breast cancer was the best thing that happened to them. One friend who says her husband leaving her was a blessing in disguise." Another who claims losing her job was the greatest gift. Are these, friends, are these folks all masochists? No. These are ordinary folks. Like It references this young boy at the beginning of the chapter that had a dream about the Buddha. And um, he said the Buddha had a dream. He saw the Buddha. This young boy was, was struggling with diabetes and had all kinds of challenges from it. And he was acting out. And then one day he had a dream of the Buddha. And the Buddha was behind him and he said in the, the dream all of a sudden a hand reached out with a knife and stabbed the Buddha right in the heart. And he said the Buddha just grew and grew and grew until the knife sticking out looked like a toothpick. And it just brought him a sense of the, to know that his spiritual nature, his spiritual connection was larger than anything that could, could harm him. So she says are these ordinary folks like the young dreamer who realize that the trials they face are difficult, painful and grueling as they were but have the vehicles by which they've grown into more awake and aware human beings. Cahil Gibran wrote, When I planted my pain in the field of patience, it bore fruits of happiness. We have two choices, she says, to rail endlessly against what is happening or to experience our feeling of sorrow, fear, and anger, and then engage our patience and allow the challenge to grow our souls. Because we all go through it. We all go through disappointment. And sometimes we can exaggerate, and sometimes we can run with it in in the, in the fear that we're being punished somehow. When in fact, it's just life showing up; it's a season. And I think it's just so much healthier to have that perspective. Otherwise, I live in the schema with you. Otherwise, I will go back in my childhood where something happened, and all of a sudden, that has been my theme for the longest time. And 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 believe me, the folks that gave us the schemas were doing their best. It's just to be having the awareness to unravel that. You and I have such possibilities and opportunities. And, and just being who we are in our everyday. I went to a Rotary meeting this last week, I was invited and I went down and um, um, there were two people there that were, and it was a small meeting, it was like 10 members in this Rotary but someone said, I think this would be a good group for you because I'm looking around, I want to just engage with the business community in a bigger way. We have a lot of wonderful things to offer. I mean, we, you know, you don't have to believe in God to do what we do. I think it's helpful. But to, to really um, be, be more part of, of a business community. And so I just said, oh, I should go check out a rotary. So I'm there with this small group of people. One lady gets up and says, you know, years ago, my husband and I found out that the kids at this school weren't getting food. There were kids going to school hungry. And so we decided, let's go down to the grocery store. And they bought 10 boxes of mandarin oranges and brought them to school the next day and said, I understand you have hungry children here. Because there was an article in the the journal that talked about it. And the principal, she said, was so smart. She said, well, would you like to see the school? And so they took the tour of the school and met the teachers. And they went home and they said, we can do something more consistent than just bring a bunch of boxes of oranges down. And so the husband was very well connected with a business community, went to 10 of his friends and said, I need you to donate $300 each for the next year. We're going to feed as many kids as we can. And so they started providing food for the kids that come from disadvantaged families or immigrant families or just struggling to find a, a foothold in the Edmonton community. And they now, they now serve 350 meals a day. It's called food for thought. And I'm sitting there, oh, my God. And then the guy from the Rotary got up, and he's reading the charter from the Rotary, and I'm like, I'm at a, I'm at a Sunday service here. I was. It was like, wow. So she gets done talking about what they've done and her and her daughters are still very involved and how it's grown and how they've collaborated with, with grocery stores. And then there's a lady next to her that says, and I just want to talk about, and someone gave me that brochure because I said, I need to know more about this. This is, uh, Alberta Association for Community Living. And she was talking about how they take people that have uh, disabilities and they find jobs for them and they go in along with them and train them. And they've created three, uh, I don't know, hundreds of jobs and I'm like wow this is amazing stuff it's inspiring normal people doing extraordinary so when I say we're all capable of doing extraordinary things we are and to me those are extraordinary things but when we live in our schemas we just stay stuck it's just such a miserly miserly way to live Norman Vincent Peale said when pain strikes we often ask the wrong questions such as why me The right question is, what can I learn from this? What can I do about it? And what can I accomplish in spite of it? The last slide I have today is there's no rainbow without the rain. What hardship shows up in your life, you can ask yourself. How can I grow from this? What can I learn from the situation or experience? I mean, that's the healthy thing to do. Because it's not personal. It just isn't. You know, when... um, this idea of patience around spiritual practice. A couple weeks ago, well, several months ago, before we've been talking about the John of God experience, and I know there's, we've got about 15 people going with us again, which is great. You know, I would go every six months if I could. I love, I love that experience. I love being in that environment. Uh, I love what happens there, because so much of it is a mystery for me, and I don't have to think myself through it or understand it. I'm just in it. And when um, the second time we went, first time I went with another church group to check it out before I brought it back here and you know, talked about it because I wasn't sure, we took a group. Second time but before I went, uh, a woman that is a member of our community for a long time said, my, my nephew who lives in Vancouver is, has been diagnosed with stage 4 uh, prostate cancer and could I bring him in and you could meet with him and I said sure so he came to town and he, we met and I did some prayer work with him did some affirmative prayer you know, knowing, seeing him as healthy and, and, and whole and he was there primarily because she wanted him to be there I could tell you know when somebody's there and they're just there to help out you know, well, she wants me to come and get a prayer from you and here I am and, and I get that but I didn't let that distract me I said you know what I just, here's what I get to do this is what I've been trained to do and so we did that and then I said, would you mind if I took your prayer down to, or your picture down to John of God? And so we, I took his picture and I put down the information and I took it with me. And so when I did that with like 75 people last time, you know, I had like a stack of pictures and I can't track them all, right? So I'm there and every time we go to this session, I'd bring about 12 and I'd hand them in, you know, and, and Laura's laughing at me, my wife's laughing at me because I'm the picture mule, you know, I get people's pictures and all this stuff, but... So I handed his picture in at some point and heard nothing. Came back and I'm busy and life goes on. So two weeks ago, I'm standing in line back there and she said, I need to tell you about my nephew. And I said, well, tell me. And she said, well, I need to write it out. And she said, I got a call about three weeks ago to come and see him in Vancouver and say goodbye because he'd done all the treatment, done the radiation, done the chemo, done all the other alternative things. And it was time the doctor said that he was done and his body was going to give out in the next couple weeks. She said, I flew out, and when I got there, I went to see him, got to the house, and he looked at me and said, I just got my test results back from the doctors. And he said, all signs of cancer are gone. There's no cancer. And um, I said, wow, um, that's pretty remarkable. It's the most dramatic thing I've I've experienced in terms of what we teach. Uh, And here's a guy that really wasn't even, like, hopeful. He was just like, yeah, whatever. I'll do that, do that. I mean, I think he finally got to the point where he surrendered. And I'd love to tell you that I take credit for all of it, but I have nothing to do with it. No, I mean, it's really, isn't it, the egoic part of it was, well, he came to our church. <laughs> what, it, what happens for all of us is that we, he lined himself up in his own consciousness, and his own awareness, and I think he finally reached the point of surrender where something different could show up in his experience. And I think he, he, he pursued every avenue. And maybe it was through the doctors I don't know see it's not important where it comes from it's not important who takes the credit because it's his consciousness but the point I'm, I'm making around patience is it just takes time sometimes and you never know when the goods gonna show up and what I know about that when I hear about that I realize wow where am I limiting good in my own life where am I the, 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 the problem rather than the answer And maybe it's because I haven't surrendered enough or given up enough, but I know that there's something informing me at all times for all of us. But it takes time. And if we give up and we say it doesn't work, what what are we impressing upon this infinite intelligence? I agree with you. The the only thing that it can say to us is, I agree with you, it doesn't work. And then nothing happens. Nothing happens. I've got a wonderful... um, Quote that I'll, I'll uh, leave you with today, and this is from M.J. Ryan, who wrote the book *Patience*. She said, "With hope, we have patience to work for what we want in our lives, whatever it is, and it's okay. It's okay for you want li- for for you to want life to work, and to be happy, and to be prosperous, and to have loving relationships in your life, and to be in high relationship with yourself and 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 spirit. It's okay." I was raised with a punishing God. I was raised that everything that happened in the world was my fault. And you know, that's not true. When I went to California, I went down for my son's graduation, and, and uh, he, he, it was great to spend time with him, but he said one thing to me that is just such a joy in my life. He was talking about a relationship he was in, and he said, Dad, I finally had to get to the point in this relationship where I looked at this person and said, I cannot carry this for you anymore. I cannot carry this for you anymore. And and what was happening is this person in the relationship was processing all of the stuff with him. And as a young man, he realized this is not my role. I can't carry this anymore. And I was so proud of him. You know, for to have the clarity to realize I need a boundary here. So many of us carry too much stuff that's not ours. Guilt, responsibility for things that we have nothing to do with. Until someone wakes up, this man that was doing the cancer, I I gave him the best I could of myself with prayer, and I said, "Yeah, I'll I'll be the, I'll take the picture down there for you." But I was not attached to the results. I thought, you know, and I thought, well, you know, he'll step into a, a different awareness and a different experience or not, but that's not my responsibility. I'm responsible to him, but not for him. In other words, to do the best I can and then let it go. So with hope, we have patience to work for what we want in our lives. To study for the test, to write the books, to make the quilt, to plant the garden, because we trust in the possibility of a good outcome. I trust in the possibility of a good outcome. I think that this message that we have is empowering and it's the only sane way to live a life. But to equip one another and the generations that come behind us to say, life is not going to be a bowl of cherries all the time. There are seasons in your life. You're going to have disappointment. Your heart's going to be broken a few times. You're going to get fired a couple of times probably because you've outgrown that job or somebody, you're in somebody else's job. But look at all the good learning in this for you. Look at what you're developing, the, the, the persistence and the strength, and the courage and the awareness to, to face whatever comes up in your life. That's Health. Without hope, she continues, we would try nothing. We would do nothing because we wouldn't have the emotional and spiritual wherewithal to apply the necessary elbow grease and wait upon the results. You know, I'd love to tell you that I just, I just sit down and, and God writes the whole te- uh, talk for me. But I've tried that. And God has a tendency to repeat himself when I do that, okay? <laughs> but... I got to dig and dig and dig and dig. I got to do my work. I got to read. I got to pay attention. I got to think. I got to be available. To all this. I mean, and that's my, that's my part. I don't complain about it. I don't, it's like, when is this going to get easier? No, this is what I do. You know? No one, we, we're here to, in this form to, to, to do our part. And that's part of the wisdom of life is figure out what is my part? What is mine to hold? What is mine to do? And what, how can I rely on others to do that? But it's a beautiful opportunity. So we're going to talk about patience. We're going to talk about working with ourselves and working with others and, and realistic expectations. How our schemas come to play in that. I mean, there's amazing, wonderful things longing for expression. And we either become the outlet for that. We either become available to that or we don't. And that's our choice. That's our work to do. So I'll see you next week at 10 and 1130. So it is.